Welcome to Life Activated. I'm Mari Roberts, corporate gal gone rad energy healer and psychic guide. The intention of this podcast is to be a supportive space that empowers you to live your passions now, encouraging you to be uniquely you and to trust your intuition. On this podcast, you're going to hear from guests who are just like you. The difference is they figured out how to bring their passions into their life. To find out more, please visit me at marirobertslife.com. Today, we have such an amazing human with us. You are going to absolutely love this human. I met Lisa, gosh, how many years ago now? I guess, what are we at? Six years has it been maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I think 2017 was when I started. Yeah. Six years ago, we worked together at a big tech corporate company and instantly I was like, I like this person. She's amazing. I didn't know how talented she was until I feel like later on, as I started to get to know her. And you're going to get to hear a little bit about her amazingness, her talents and her passions and how she designs her life to bring her passions in. But, you know, I've already sort of started introducing her without introducing her. So let me just be quiet and let Lisa tell you a little bit more about who she is. And this is Lisa Mayberry. Welcome to Life Activated. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Oh, thank you, Mari. It's really great to be here. And I just want to say, like you said, you didn't really get to know me until a little bit into our working relationship, but I just feel like I felt kind of this instant connection to you. I remember meeting you and thinking like, this is somebody who actually shows up as a full person at work. And that's really hard to find (laughs) in a lot of these settings. So I'm glad that we we're able to stay in touch even as our like work journeys went different directions and that we're having a chance to learn more about each other and what we're passionate about outside of that too. But yes, I'm Lisa Mayberry. I am a mom. I am an artist. I am an HR professional and an Enneagram eight. <laughs> I do Ooh, know my Enneagram. You're an eight. Yes. Ooh, spicy. I know. I know. <gasps> um, yeah. So that's, that's one tool that I do use to kind of like orient myself in the world. I'm a Libra. I don't know my rising or okay. moon signs, but my sun sign is Libra. So I do connect with that in the sense of like, I'm always seeking out balance. I really love aesthetic. I love the way things feel. I love the way things look. And that definitely comes out in my art too. Yeah. What else do we want to know about me? I feel like that's amazing. I'm really surprised to find out that you're an eight in the Enneagram. (laughs) One of my old bosses is an eight and you two are very different. But what I know about eights, you're like fiercely like protective. <laughs> and what I know from you, I'm like, wow. I did not know about this part of you. Yes, I have I am an eight, but I have a seven wing. Uh, I've, I've also typed as a three wing two, but I feel like when I'm really aligned with my truest self, I tend to type 
as an eight. So I'm very protective of my family. I do have a little bit of like that justice complex, which is why, you know, started working at DNI before I moved to just regular HR. (laughs) Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. And I know that you were a social work major, right? So that would make sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Now I could put that together and go like, ah, I see it. I see it very much so. And from the sense of not knowing your sun or moon, not that you have to know it, I would just invite you to be curious and find out because you might find some interesting components to it that you didn't know. For me personally, I'm a Capricorn moon. And when I found that out, it was that piece that helped me understand why I literally overthink so much or why for me, for certain things, I need to know the process. Mm -hmm. Because if you were to read about like a Taurus, just in general, there's nothing about Taurus needing to know the process. Yeah. 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 So I'm very open to it. I just, um, administratively, I need to track down a copy of my birth certificate. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes. That has not happened yet. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That could be a challenge sometimes. Yeah. 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 Because you want to get as accurate of a read as possible. So that for your rising moon, and even if you did like uh, human design, it helps to have that information. Yeah. So I do understand that. Mm -hmm. I do understand that. It takes time. You'll find it. I've tried asking my mom too. And she's like, I don't know, you were a C-section baby. So probably sometime in the morning. I'm like, I need the exact minute. (laughs) You'll find it. It will be found. It will be found. I remember, I think my mom had my younger brother and my times wrong. And then when, you know, we got the birth certificate, it was like, oh, just by, you know, a little bit, but not that much, you know, an hour or two. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. So when you like originally thought what it was, did you do any work around like figuring out your, your moon and okay. So no. That was, yeah. 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 That was like my early times of trying to figure out my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That was my early times. That's so funny. So before we dive into all of the questions, so people can really find out more about you and fall in love with you as much as I have fallen in love with you. I want to share the card again, keeping with the theme. I know I say this every single time. And if you are a regular listener to Life Activated Podcast, you're probably sick of hearing this, but I'm sticking with the theme of picking the card from the Asia de Shore deck, which is the Guided by Spirit deck. This card for Lisa, for myself, for you, whatever you're listening is Spark. Oh, cool. It's a really cool card. And Mm -hmm. I'll I'll send you a picture too after you just have to remind me because I'll totally forget. Love that. (laughs) So let's see what this is all about. So I just heard the spark is within you. Are you igniting it? Where have you let it in when the spark is lit it's like a magnet it's like magnetic I just heard like you how do I want to say this to you like it's like when you feel like you want to dance 
you know, like everything feels like a dance party when it's all lit. So the invitation would be to look to see where you haven't, where it's dimmed and to reignite that spark, allow that spark to be lit all over, all around. Because this sounds so weird, but you have work to do and you can do it when you are fully ignited, when that spark is fully ignited. Also, it's like you may not necessarily feel that your creative work has a place, but it does actually. And it has a bigger place than you realize. So giving it more, I'm hearing like space and credit for the mm. place that it has in your life. Yeah. If that makes sense. Does it make sense? It does. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. That's really Thank cool. You. Yeah. Yeah. And just like, you know, if, if you're listening to just be mindful where maybe are those, or is that spark a little dimmed or have you dimmed it and just giving yourself the space to allow it to be reignited it's like almost like the image I'm getting right now is like you know when you have your your gas burner on mm -hmm. your stove and you know like sometimes when part of it's not lit you don't really have like a nice even cook yep. you want everything to have a nice even cook uh -huh. you know the meal doesn't take what it will take longer things burn things don't go right so when it's all lit everything is smooth yeah 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 love that no I, I think in terms of my creative practice I've been intentional about that over the last couple of months like making space for the things that I want to do and the things that I want to learn and saying no to things that don't really align with what I want and I've started to kind of let those things creep back in a little bit those things mm. that I want that's where this is coming from yeah <laughs> but it's it's a little bit starting to dim and I know that like when I have all of the space I tend to come up with things that resonate with me or a better reflection of what I want to put out in the world but yeah interesting yeah yeah it's wild I love it so one of your gifts one of your passions is painting and what I'd love to understand from you is, have you always been a painter? No. Well, I, I mean, I guess it's something that I feel like I've revisited in different times in my life. I haven't been consistently practicing. I would say beginning or towards the end of like lockdown or when mm -hmm. pandemic is still pandemicking. but yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. when we all... Yeah were stuck inside and nobody was doing anything and nobody was vaccinated. I picked it back up again. I also did it quite a bit when my son was young and I was living in an apartment with him and feeling like I needed to make the space my own and mm. the budget really was not there to do anything. And I was like, well, I'm going to look at all the things that I want to put on my wall that I can't afford. And I'm going to make or recreate my own versions of them so that I can really feel like the space is ours because we moved into an apartment that was fully furnished and it was just kind of like, 
thought it was going to be temporary. Yeah. It ended up not being temporary. And then after that, I was like, huh, I like doing this. I want to keep doing this. So I started to get a little scrappy and figure out how I could get supplies for free. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was working in an office that was also going through a redecoration at the time. And I was like, by the way, I can make art for you and see what kind of art you like in here. And I can make things that look like that, but I just want you to pay me for my time and my supplies and then let me keep whatever is left over. And they were like, great, still cheaper than us buying stuff. So I did that for a while. And then when I got my job, the job that we met each other at, that took a little bit more time and I don't know. I started to feel like I needed to like be a real adult for a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I let that kind of slip. And I'll say that like, even back then, even when I was more regularly making things, I wasn't making things from a place of trying to figure out what conversations I want to have, trying to figure out what I want to share with the world, trying to figure out what I want to reflect back from what I'm observing. It was more of like, an aesthetic choice. Like mm. what kinds of things do I like that I'm just going to remake because I can't afford to buy them. Right. <laughs> Which yeah. I don't suggest anyone does by the way. <laughs> I mean, there's some ethics there, but yeah, I, I kind of let it fall away for a while. I had my second child, my daughter got married, moved, bought a house, got the fancy job. And then when the pandemic happened, before we all went into lockdown, I feel like I was probably the happiest I maybe have ever been. Like mm. everything felt really settled. Everything felt like it was going in the right direction. I was really happy in my job. My two kids were happy in their childcare settings. My partner had a job. We had just moved into this house that was like in the perfect location very small, but didn't matter because we both worked full time and the kids were in daycares. It was like, mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. we have the space for what we need. And then all of a sudden it was like overnight, we are all in this house and coexisting in what essentially is 800 square feet. We have no childcare and we are both working these remote jobs. And I felt like everything was just kind of like closing in on me that nothing was ever finished. Like every time I turn around, there's something that needs my attention that I'm not going to be able to give my full attention to. And I just got into this habit of like over-functioning to a fault where like I put my head down, like I've been through hard things. I can figure this out. I can keep pushing. I can keep going. And at some point I couldn't keep pushing anymore. Uh-huh. And I really needed an outlet and art has always been something that like has been mine, you know, like it was one of the things that like, I felt like I didn't have to share with anyone and I needed something that I could do at my house that would feel like I didn't need to share it if I didn't want to. So I signed up for a course and I also signed up for a trip and Mari, you were one of the people that told me to go. I did. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. I'm glad. <laughs> yes. It was something that I signed up for a course from Sari Shrike, who is an artist that I've been following and started following during the pandemic. And like something about her work really touched me in a sense of like super colorful, but also the way that she's able to incorporate storytelling into the way that she markets her work and mm. 
makes everything that she makes really accessible to people. I'd never felt that when I was interacting with art in the past. Like a lot of times you go places and maybe there's a little tiny sentence or two that describe what it is, but it's, you're not getting into someone's head. And I think that social media is really cool in that way. And that if you're looking at contemporary art and you can find the artists online, you can get connected to what they're making in a way that we've never been able to in the past. Yeah, so yeah. I connected with her and I connected with her work. And then she was posting about this trip to Spain that she was doing. <laughs> and I was like, why not? Like, why not me? Yeah. At this point, everybody in my family had been vaccinated and the trip she was posting about was like a year out. And I was like, I think that by then, like, I'll be able to do that. Even though we really financially probably shouldn't do this, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. And from that point, I feel like everything kind of snowballed because I, I got a little bit more serious about it. It was like, I need to, I need to be doing this regularly so that when I get there, I can really fully experience the trip. And the trip was a week long painting retreat in Spain, doing plein air painting, which is painting from life outside, which is probably like the hardest thing that you can do as a painter. So it's like, well, I need to like brush up on my foundations, my basics and really start learning more about this as a practice and incorporate it into my life. So to your question of like, have you always done this? Not like this, but I've always dabbled and I've always appreciated art and appreciated how people express themselves through art and wanted to do that and had ideas how I would, but not necessarily the skill set or the experience or the education to kind of really dive into it in a meaningful way. Yeah. And what I love about everything that you're saying though, is one, it's always been in your world used in different ways, right? Like at one point it was, you dabbled in it and then you needed it to really create a home space that felt like your own and you got super scrappy and found a way to, you know, get more supplies for yourself to make it fun. And then you come to this later place where you realize that, well, shit, you actually need an outlet because you were burning yourself out. And I'm going to ask you this question in a second, but you know, you get to that point where you realize it's painting again that you can do. And Mm -hmm. it's what I think is so interesting with this though, is that it's like painting to the next level for yourself. Right. And you got selfish Mm -hmm. and I don't think selfish is a bad thing clearly, but selfish for yourself to find something that was just for you yeah. so that you could be a better you mm-hmm. all around mm-hmm. for everyone involved, including yourself. Yeah. It's something that out of all the things that I do, and I'm also a cut flower gardener. So that like both of these oh, things, yeah. we're going to talk about that too. <laughs> kind of happened at the same time, but with painting, especially, I feel like it's it's so meditative and that you have to really narrow your focus into color choices and value choices and just kind of let your mind go into a zone that it doesn't get to be in in any other state that it's helped me kind of reorient other areas of my life because I feel like 
there's nothing that's so pressing. Like it doesn't feel the way that it used to feel before I had a consistent creative practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really was at a breaking point with my job and with a lack of childcare and with just the space that we're in as a family and mm-hmm. how much chaos and how much was going on all the time that it was just like, there has to be a, like a respite. There has to be an escape for me. Mm-hmm. And gardening was great when, you know, the season was right for that. And there's a lot of gardening tasks that can happen over the whole course yeah. of the calendar yeah. year. But I also needed something I could do inside. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause it's, you know, Seattle and it's raining all the time too. Cold. Whatever. <laughs> My question to you that I was holding off on around the painting. Did you like from, uh, and maybe you know, or remember this or could like even connect to the feeling of it. Did you just have an aha? I know that I need to do painting. Did, was it your intuition? Like what told you, or what was that spark to you? That was like, pick up the paintbrush, Lisa. (laughs) I don't know that it, that it's, you know, this one thing that like, that it'll always be this one thing. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. at some point I'll be interested in textile art, or maybe at some point I'll, mixed medias in different ways. It started as watercolor because watercolor, I would say is like the most approachable medium. It's really easy in terms of storage. You can have a little tiny watercolor palette that you use for years and it dries down and then you can throw it somewhere and then you can pull it back out again. And the setup time is like nothing and it travels really well started as watercolor because I I needed a way to express myself and it needed to be cheap. And then the more ownership I took and the more selfish I became, I guess, like Mm -hmm. advocating for myself, I've always really loved acrylic paint and acrylic paint is like fully opaque. It's loud. It's bright. It's saturated, or at least the way that I like to paint Mm -hmm. and it dries fast it's physical. So you're like having a record of movement. You can paint over any mistakes that you make. You can edit as you're going. Whereas watercolor is a little touchier. You kind of have to work backwards and anything that you put on a piece of paper is there forever. You have to commit. But as I was getting back into it, I was like, no, I want my own space. I want something that's maybe a little bit messier. I want something that the kids are not going to be allowed to be involved in. Yeah. Feels reflective of where I'm at right now. I want to experiment. I want to do things impulsively. And like, that was the medium to go for. And now I've, for the last month or so, been mostly exclusively painting in oil, which I would say is, it has the opacity and like a lot of similar qualities to acrylic paint, but in the sense that you have to make a choice and stick to it because the dry time is so long. If yeah. you're going to do a short session and make something in a short period of time, it's more like watercolor and that you have to have a plan when you go in and make decisions and kind of stick to them. And that's pushing me forward a little bit in terms of technical skills and figuring out how to plan composition and all of that. But I think painting or like visual art as a medium is something that is just really connective. Everybody has a story about art or a story about an artist or someone that they connect to. And it gives people permission to open up like Mm -hmm. the sharing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also found that like making that transition in my life from being a single mom to having a partner and then having my second kid and then having this family that like from the outside looks like 
just a regular nuclear family, I started to feel less and less comfortable sharing my life because it feels kind of like a look at my cute family. Look how uh-huh. perfect it is. Look at uh-huh. everything that we're doing together. It started to feel like that. And I wanted a way to connect with people that didn't feel that way, that felt yeah. more vulnerable or felt more honest or felt more like here I am putting myself out here. Like, even if this isn't great, or even if this doesn't resonate with you, this is how it feels to me. And this is what it means to me. And like the responses I get from people are so incredible, like either being encouraging or saying like, I used to do this and like seeing you try is like made me want to try again. Or my husband does this and like, I want to show you what he does or my uncle or my grandpa has a practice and let me show you his website. Like all these things, people really want to share what they're doing. And that felt really rewarding to me. Whereas like I don't know, showing up online these days and just being like, look at this wonderful family I have and look at this vacation we took and look at this. It just feels a little hollow at some point. Yeah. So it was like finding a way to not only do what you were passionate about, right, but to actually also design a way to create connection in a more meaningful way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a way for me to kind of like open up first. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people will do that in return when you do that first. If you're willing to show a piece of yourself that's meaningful to you, then they'll return that back. And that's been really cool. Yeah. I remember when I saw like in your office, one of your paintings and you told me you did that. I was like, what? You're amazing. And then when you started sharing your art on Instagram, what are you doing? This is amazing. Where can people buy this? <laughs> and I was like, nowhere, because I don't want to make money. And now I have a website because Mari kept asking me. <laughs> yeah. Because you have a beautiful gift to share. And it's not that you have to share it for people to purchase, but sometimes people want to purchase something. And you have opportunities for people to purchase. You did a great, you know, there was the flooding in your hometown, right? And you had a way then for people to actually purchase something to support that, you know, which was amazing. I know I purchased something from you for my mom. You know, it's like my mom has it up in her kitchen. It's so cute. A little lemon painting, you know, so I also like to purchase things like from people who are local. So it's mm-hmm. nice to have that connectivity. For me personally, I love the connectivity of seeing someone who's passionate about what they do and then being able to share the gift and then tell the story behind that person that I know or what I know of that person and then share that gift. So, you know, I believe inspiring and empowering as a gift, but then also for people to hopefully feel that same sense of like, wow, I can Mm -hmm. figure out how to start to take little steps to do these things. Yeah. Could we touch a little bit on the flowers? How did the passion for flowers come to be? Because you're like kind of also a sick gardener. When I say (laughs) sick, it's a sick as a good thing, not a bad thing. I grew up on a farm, on a berry farm, actually. So that like connection to the earth or like seasons and watching things grow has always been, it's always been something I really resonated with. And Mm. 
I didn't have the time or the space or the resources to devote to it. When I was living in an apartment, we had like two little planter boxes that there were outside of our front door that I put like pansies in. And I tried to plant flower bulbs all over the place in her yard and they just all died. So (laughs) there was no sun there. (laughs) And we moved into this house. The same was kind of true. Like my backyard is almost completely shaded and there's not really space in the back to do much of anything, but I have this little parking strip that's like right between the sidewalk and the road. And if you're in Seattle, you're familiar with parking strips. And that's the only spot in my like area that's full sun. And I was like, you know what? I think I could probably put some beds in there. Mm-hmm. So I put two beds in there at the midway through the pandemic because everybody was putting garden beds in and it was pretty expensive to get it done so we could only do two Uh and I did a mix of flowers and vegetables and I just found that the flowers for me did something that the vegetables did not I still grow vegetables but like there's something about the the colors and then also the challenge of like making something happen in a really small space and crop rotation, which is something that I learned growing up on a farm. (laughs) Yeah. You're like kind of epic in that space. Yeah. So in my, now there's four garden beds, but in my four garden beds, I have something blooming for nine out of the 12 months of the year. So it's pretty incredible to like, think that a small space like that has the capacity to produce that much. Yeah. Uh, and the thing that I loved about growing flowers was that it was so joyful to give them away, to arrange them and then give them to people. Yeah. It's different when you walk up to somebody with a zucchini, honestly, they're like, I great. Mean, thanks, seriously. Thanks so much. But like, I have enough zucchini in my life. Like yeah. you can always surprise someone with flowers and they get really excited about it. Cause it's just a, like a, decadent thing like there's not a real use for it other than to make you happy so yeah I collect jars all year and then (laughs) during the nine months that I have flowers I'm handing them out to people and it could be people that I work with or you know friends or service providers or whoever I'm interacting with I like to just like randomly surprise them with with a bouquet and it's something it's another piece of like I feel like color theory is interesting to me and design is interesting to me. So I've used that as a way to kind of like continue learning and just kind of keep myself engaged in the world around me. And it started with just walking around my neighborhood and like kind of taking note of what was blooming and who was growing what, and then transitioned into just a full, full blown obsession and just kind of like always taking opportunity to learn about different varieties and their growing habits and germination and collecting seeds and breeding. I need a class from you, a legit (laughs) class. I planted some flowers this year and I was so proud. I sent you some photos of some poppies, but soon did not look so good or handle so well. I am sure it's because I started too late and I was just not so good. I'm supposed to have a green thumb. It was like, whatever, but But definitely not. It's like, an yeah. experiment. That's, yeah. that's one of the things that I love about it the most is that there's just, it's such a long-term learning process. Cause you know, if you make a mistake one season, then you might not have that type of flower for a whole year, but mm-hmm. you're not going to make that mistake again because you, <laughs> you know what it was. Yeah. 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 
prefer, like I, I've told people this before too, but if you're trying to decide between doing things one way and doing things another way, do them both, like do a little bit half and half. Like if you're worried that covering them with frost cloth isn't going to work and you need a hoop, do one side that has a hoop and do one side that's covered and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's so good. And even just when you're talking about it, it's like, you can see your passion, like you light up about it. It's so good. When I started the journey of cultivating my own inner wisdom, I was so disconnected. I was literally following the path of every should that you could possibly name. And that led me to a soul-sucking job. I woke up one day and I realized that I didn't even know who I was. I didn't recognize myself. I was stuck. I lacked confidence and I couldn't tell you not only what I was passionate about, but what my values were or what my purpose was. I didn't want to feel like that anymore. And I sure as hell didn't want anyone else to feel that way. That led me to taking one step, one simple step at a time to begin to reconnect to my truth, working with mentors on my psychic gifts and becoming a certified coach, working on cultivating my healing gifts. And I knew that when I was working with clients, the most important thing was to provide support that was intuitively led, but practical and grounded, because this is the world that we live in. It's connecting yourself to your intuition and doing it in a grounded way so that you can expand and make the impact that you're here to make. This has led to this course, Life Activated. I help you connect with your vision and your purpose so that you can see what is for you and what you actually want to do. This course, Life Activated, was created because I wanted to give you something that was accessible, that you could come back to over and over again. I wanted it to be something that could be reached by anyone. What is this Life Activated course? (laughs) Well, I'll take you through. This is a three-step method that you're going to go through to connect with your purpose, to identify your vision clearly, and to identify the steps that are for you to take and execute your plan so that you can reap the rewards of living the life that you are here to live, making the impact that you're here to make. Because you and I know that you are here for something great. This course, Life Activated, is an eight-week hybrid program. It's blending community and giving you the option to have one-on-one support with me. There are group calls, support calls for eight weeks. You're going to have access to people who are just like you to ask questions, share insights, receive validation. And if you choose to work with me one-on-one, You are going to be able to dive deeper into your unique vision, tackle any particular challenges, and get support to help you make clear, guided 
steps. I know that sounds great, but the most important thing is this community doesn't go away. You're going to have access to a community beyond that, that you can be a part of for as long as you want for life. (laughs) Because journeys of this kind aren't over in an eight week time for a period. And I want you to have the ability to be with your community and celebrate for life. I want you to also know that this program is so accessible. We've got three options for you. You can just join the course and the support community for $500 lifetime access. You can have option two, which is the course and one-on-one support with me. One session that is 545. And you can also access me and have extra support. That's two 45-minute private calls with me for $600. Again, everything else, lifetime access. So this course is so accessible. You can just join at $500. You can get actually time with me for up to $600. So don't wait, run, (laughs) and I'll see you inside the course. So talk a little bit about, if you could, how you do design right now in this moment in time, your passions around your life. And also, if you could touch on, you know, double layering questions, so rude of me, you know, in that, how that comes into the workplace too. So I'd say right now, you know, both of the things that I love to do are like centered around the home and I have young children. So I kind of have to have hobbies that I can do at home. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise I would never be able to do it. They kind of need to sleep a lot and they kind of, you know, need need to be home a lot. So that's, that's one way is just by like kind of choosing things that I can do at home. But I'll also say like letting go of your expectations around the other things in your life. Like I'm right now I'm doing a 20 day challenge and I'm painting portraits and this is actually the last day. So it's kind of fun that we're filming our, our thing on the last day of my 20 days of portraits. And I've done a daily painting challenge before I did one last summer and it almost is like, there's something freeing about relieving yourself of the choice. Like Mm. I know I'm going to do this every day. And when I know I'm going to do this every day, I let go of expectations around other things. Mm. Am I going to make time for exercise for these 20 days? I don't know. Maybe not in the same way that I did before. Is my house going to be kind of messy kind of all the time? Yeah. Am I going to let my partner pick up the slack and pick up the kids from daycare? Probably more days than I would. Yeah. And other times also, yes, like just being really kind to yourself and recognizing like, if this is the most important thing that I'm going to do, and this is the thing that I've committed to do, it is okay to release other things that you normally do. It's like a boundary, right? Like you, you basically said that you're committing to something, which meant that you're also putting a boundary on other things or around that so that other things can fall off. And that's okay for that period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought about this too, because I've been reflecting about like 
what it would look like to have a daily practice beyond 20 days and, you know, re reflecting on this last period of time, like, I don't think it would be possible for me to make that happen mm -hmm. consistently for forever, but I can also see what it does for me when I do engage that way, like removing that barrier of choice, removing that barrier of avoidance, like it has to happen. Mm -hmm. So it may as well happen at a good time of the day versus like late at night when it's going to keep me up for hours and then the next mm -hmm. day is going to be even worse. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Checking in with yourself and noticing your habits. And another thing I noticed this round, I released the idea that I was going to make content about everything that I made. Uh -huh. um, yeah. And that's been really helpful. It has not felt as hard at all. The first time I did this, I was trying to make a TikTok and a reel every day. Oh, good Lord. Come on, <laughs> girl. That, oh, Lord. I know. And I was trying to finish a piece every day. I was doing really Ugh. small, small pieces, but yeah, I remember that. Yeah. that was great for other things. It was great for output. It was great for like noticing how long things take me and for pushing myself in that area. But I felt so burnt out by the end yeah. of it. That took away the fun. Yeah. And I yeah. don't feel that way now. I feel like I've kind of found a good balance and, yeah. and I've dove in and at points only done it for 30 or 45 minutes each day. Like, and it's easy to find space for that when there's not like some, some idea of what the outcome is going to be. And when you're not attached to a certain thing that's going to happen based on what you're doing, it's a lot easier yeah. to engage and have less energy around whatever it is you're doing. And I think especially with art, it's like as much as you can <laughs> to try to just release whatever expectation you have for the outcome is like been most helpful for me in terms of wanting to dive back in because there have been periods of time over the last couple of years that I've been doing this more consistently where like I make something really shitty and then I don't feel like picking up a paintbrush again for like three weeks. Right. Because or you made I, something shitty. Because you yeah. made something yeah. shitty yeah. or the opposite. You make something really cool and then you're like, well, I can't do that again. So like the next thing I make is going to not look as good as, as that thing that I just made. So I don't want to make anything. Mm. Mm. You just fall into these different traps where you're yeah. like in your head about how people are going to receive things or whether or not it's good or whatever. And taking that choice away from yourself, taking that, like, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? And just getting into the habit of like stepping into that space, regardless of whether or not you feel like it can be really helpful for like for learning more, but also receiving more, I think, mm -hmm, from, mm -hmm. from the practice. But, you know, just sort of challenging that piece around, you know, even just thinking about it from the art, I think it's such a good thing to look at and think about outside of art, right? You know, whatever it is that you are working on or focused on, could you commit to... 20 days, 10 days where that is the thing and you give yourself the permission to let other things basically fall away so that you could just allow yourself to learn and to witness and to do whatever that thing is. 
I think there could be so much that is gained from that. And I really just appreciate you sharing that because it is a perspective that yes, you're talking about your painting, but I think it could be put in so many other facets of, you know, our lives that we're focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. I think about like meditating, for example, like, yeah, painting is meditative for me, but yeah, if you were really struggling and wanted to start a a meditative practice, Mm -hmm. just committing to do it every day and like being gentle with yourself and letting yourself not do other things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meditating. It could be even, you know, you're doing a different, you're eating differently. It mm-hmm. could be, there's, there, I feel like there's so many things we could add to it. It could be reading, it could be writing. It could be, you know, it could be your typical like exercise or whatever, but you know, I don't know why I'm saying that with a rolly eye, but I feel like that's a big one that everyone would pick as a thing, but almost looking at something else outside of what we would maybe normally look at as something to set aside. I love it. I love it. So bringing your passions into work, how do you do that? Have you been able to do it? I actually, this answer is probably not going to be great for this audience. It's okay. It's a great answer. If it's truthful, it's a great answer. That's what we're looking (laughs) for. Real. Hey, that's what we're about. I would say the only capacity that my passions really come into work is like, I bring flowers to my coworkers often, and I do share with people at work that I make art and I use it in the same capacity that I do with people online where it's like, it always opens up a larger conversation. Mm -hmm. It always gives people permission to feel vulnerable. It Mm -hmm. also always connects me to other people who also make art or maybe used to make art. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I don't get to engage a lot creatively in the work that I do right now. I work on manager trainings and I'm not the design person for the content or for the decks or whatever. I'm very much a program manager, but I will say like having a workspace that I am not emotionally attached to the outcome of the work that I do and I'm not overly obsessed with how well I perform has really actually opened up a lot more space in the rest of my life to care about my creative practice or starting a website or applying for gallery shows or all those things. Like Mm -hmm. the job I had before this one felt a lot more important. It was in the DNI space and I felt like I really needed to be kind of available and like give my full mental capacity to the work that I was doing. And it was really unhealthy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a lot of space outside of work for anything other than just like keeping my family's life on the tracks. Whereas this job is very much like a job job. And I'm very thankful for it because it pays the bills and I have healthcare and I get this other huge part of my energy and brain that I get to devote to things that I really care about. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. And dare I say, you do bring your passions into the office. You literally bring your passions into the office by bringing your flowers and sharing and talking about your art, Yeah, you know, and being your authentic true self in that way. And I think it's okay to be disconnected from the heaviness sometimes of 
work and owning something that deeply because it can be very unhealthy. And you and I have both been in those spaces and it is emotionally and physically draining sometimes because you can be carrying a mission Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you feel very passionate about that is very slow to move or change when you are dealing with a large corporation and, you know, that has a lot of corporate goobly garp. We'll leave it at that to go with it. So, you know, the impact that is actually possible sometimes is not possible. And you end up carrying a lot of the weight, not only for the people that you're trying to impact and be of service to, but also to push a large company (laughs) to do the right thing by the values that the company preaches and states, Mm -hmm. as well as by what they, you know, I do believe they want to do the right thing ultimately, but they get in their own way, which slows everything down and creates challenges for them to like do the right thing and make the impact that they actually could make in like literally a snap if they would just spend the money, spend the money, (laughs) spend the money, spend the money. Cause they spend the money on a lot of other, I'm just going to say it. They spend the money on a lot of other stupid shit where they could spend the money in these places that could make massive, massive impact. And they could make a massive statement to the industry, to the humans that are being marginalized in different ways. But that's a whole nother story. And that's where it can be overwhelming. So to have a role where you can simply bring your greatness and not also bear the weight of the emotion is perfectly fine because you're still bringing your greatness. You're just not bearing weight of emotion that you have. It's not your responsibility to bear anyway. (laughs) No, I know. And yeah, I think had I like engaged in this practice back then, I don't know that I would have burned out as quickly. I think, yeah, I think this sets guardrails around like parts of my life because I'm able to be like, I can pull out a measuring stick and be like, is this more important than this? Yeah. No, like it, it's not. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or is this my problem specifically? No, Mm -hmm. it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but sometimes we have to get into that place where then we realize that we'll never do that again. And then we will put boundaries in place and that won't ever happen again in your life. I guarantee you, because you will now always have boundaries and you will always, you know, yes, it ebbs and flows. Yes. You're going to lose sight of doing art in one way or another. You won't maybe always do it in the same way, but you will never get to the place where you were before. I can promise you that. I think you're right. I can promise you. I know. So how do you balance your desires and your passions with having a family, having kids, you know, Mm -hmm all of the above, how do you balance it? How do you, you know, have that communication and help ensure that they find ways to support you and your needs? So like practically, I'll say a couple tools that have helped me. My partner and I recently went through the fair play method. I don't know if you've heard of that. No, tell me more. This sounds great. Okay. So yeah. Fair play is a book that Eve Rodsky wrote about emotional and we'll domestic, have to link it. Yeah. Domestic labor, basically. 
and you don't have to read the book. She's also, she's really great, but she essentially crowdsourced a list of all of the different things that go into running a household. And they boil down to 92 different cards and each card is available on our website. You can just download the PDF and look at them. I think about a third of them or something are related to tasks that have to do with raising children. So if you're in a partnership and you don't have children, you can like throw away 30 of them right off the bat, which is great. Cool. (laughs) We did, or what I did initially was going through and making an inventory of all the different things that I owned as a part of like running the home. And my partner is great. And I definitely went into it thinking like, oh, we're probably pretty close to 50, 50. We were not anywhere near close to 50, 50. (laughs) So having that like realization. And I think as a woman, like I was socialized to think that everything was my responsibility. So even if I was giving things up, I wasn't releasing the mental load of those things. I was like giving execution away, but her whole thing is if you're going to take a task or own a card, you have to own the conception, the planning and the execution. So that means like, okay, partner, you're in charge of children's birthdays. That doesn't mean that you get to like just buy the gifts and show up. That means that you're thinking three months in advance. If we're going to do a big thing at a bouncy house place or a pool and you're making the reservation and you're inviting the parents and you're inviting the grandparents and you're managing, you're thinking through all of it, the food, all of it, (laughs) the outfit, the aesthetics, the decorations, the activities. And the thing that's cool about it is that, you know, it's like very customizable. You sit down and you talk about like what your, what your minimum standard of care is. Like everybody agrees that if you're on dishes, that means that the dishwasher gets run every day, regardless of whether or not it's full. And then it gets unloaded every morning, regardless of what you've got going on, you prioritize that thing. Cause we agree that this is what we need to do to like keep the house running. That's just mm-hmm. an example. It's a great but, example. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think this is something that happens when we have these dynamics and at least like, you know, the heteronormative ones mm-hmm. where we say, okay, you're on dishes. And then your partner's like, great. And they do the dishes every three days. And you're like, well, that's not going to work for me because I'm too anxious to look at a pile of dishes. So I'm just going to end up doing it myself. You kind of take the the resentment out of it and the waiting out of it and the watching out of it by having the conversation first Uh and making the plan. So we've done that and it took a while for sure to find our rhythm and to understand like what types of things we both like to do. Cause that's another thing. Like you don't want to just hand out all the things that you don't want to do or the, the worst things and wait and see what happens. Like there's resentment that builds there too. Yes, yeah. And we trade on and off with specific things and we kind of have just found a rhythm of what works for us. But I think the biggest thing for me was just like having that awareness that the person that I'm partnered with fully grasps everything that I'm doing and thinking about and holding and appreciates it. And then it also gave me permission to release certain things and to know like, okay, you know, you're responsible for thinking about this, for planning it and for making it happen. And if you don't, then That's on you. you get to deal with the disappointment. Like, yeah, it's, it's your thing. Like that's, mm-hmm. 
that's your thing, or you get to deal with how it impacts the family or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. So that is like one practical tool that I've used to make space because another piece of that is something that she calls the unicorn space, which is like, it's outside of social time, outside of exercise, outside of anything that you do to just kind of maintain yourself as a person or maintain relationships, time that you have for yourself. My favorite thing to do during that time is to go to a bookstore and hang out and either just like peruse and read book jackets or like have a cup of coffee and journal and just like think about the week or like think about what I want to do. Steve tends to like to go out and like grab a drink and like hang out by himself or go to a movie by himself. He really likes going to movies. But having that like outlook of your week and knowing I have two hours that are like just for me helps me kind of like reorient and get the time to slow down and be like, what do I want my life to look like this week? Because I think a lot of times, especially when you're in a season that's really busy and there's a lot going on, it feels like life is just happening to you and just kind of like Mm -hmm. washing over you. And then you poke your head up like on Saturday morning and you're like, I'm really tired. I don't think I can do anything. Mm -hmm. So being more intentional about dividing things up. And I know that that's like a really depends on whether or not you have access to a partner, if you're doing it by yourself, which also done, it is really hard to figure out a way to incorporate things. Having the time and the resources is like, one of the biggest barriers I would say, like for having a consistent creative practice. Yeah. But practically another thing that I did this year was set up an LLC. <laughs> so I can write off all of my supplies <laughs> and all of my expenses and all the education that, and all of the stuff that I'm putting into this practice and feel a little bit better about it. Like that at least I'm taking full advantage of the system that we live in and making sure that I'm financially planning for whatever direction this is going to go in. Like I'm ready for it if it becomes a thing, but I'm going to continue to write it off. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) that's right. I love it. That's so great. I love it. And I think those are really great like tips that I know people will take into account. And I think it's awesome that you still do acknowledge, you know, like, you know, that it's not always easy. You've been there where it's like, okay, how do you, you have to think about, yes, financially, it may not always be easy. Right. Yeah. And when I started painting again, with my son, when I was raising him by myself, I was an office manager for a chemical dependency clinic. And I also did all of their medical billing from home while I had my son with me because I could only afford to pay for the childcare on the days that I was in the office, but I had to supplement that. Otherwise I'd be making nothing. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekends that my son was with his dad, I was cleaning houses. Mm-hmm. So I had like multiple things going at the same time, but I was still able to kind of like find ways to make it work yeah. by just like seeking out those opportunities. And if you're looking around your life and like, where can I fit in art or where can I fit in this thing? Sometimes it'll come to you in unexpected ways. Like my office is redecorating (laughs) and I'm going to take the risk and say like, Hey, can I make something like, here are some things that I've made before. 
I can definitely try. If you hate it, you don't have to put it up, but it's going to be cheaper if you pay for my supplies and pay my hourly rate than it will be to buy from this overstock site that is also not really going to directly pay an artist. Like you kind of have to like look for those ways to engage that maybe you wouldn't have thought about yeah. before. And put it out there. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing that, you know, you remind everyone about is like, you have to actually say it. You got to put it out there. If you yeah. don't say it, if you don't put it out there, there's no way that no one can say no anyway. <laughs> yeah. So you got to at least put it out there and see what happens, you know? Yeah. So that's a yeah. really good reminder there too. So before we go, and before I ask the final question, which is how can people find you? Get ready for that one. I've been really wanting to and trying to remember to ask this question because I think it's an area that we all as women struggle with, which is how do you celebrate yourself? Hmm. Yeah, probably not well if it's taking me this long to, to think about it. Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. I tend to not give myself a lot of time for reflection or a lot of time for doing nothing clearly I'm like always doing something, but when I've like passed a milestone or when I've done something that like is on that like list of dreams that are like up in the air, I will one, like write it down. Like I did this thing. Here's how it felt when it happened. And here's what could happen because of it. That's amazing. And I use, I don't know if you've heard of these before, but I use passion planner. Have oh, you seen I have seen them, but I'll have to talk to you about those. Cause I have seen those. Yeah. But I don't use it, but I've seen them. Yeah. It's well, one, the person that created this company was on the trip that I went on yeah, on amazing. the artist, artist retreat. So I'm a little partial because I know her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also because part of the reason why I started a website and got an LLC. It was because when I got this planner, which by the way, Angelina gave me a gift card to get the planner. So, so I didn't, have, I know she's, she's incredible, very generous, but I was like, okay, I'm going to use this and I'm going to use the space. Like when you open it up, there's a space of infinite possibility is what mm. she like outlines at the very bottom to just like dream, like what's the next year going to look like? What are the things that like are way too big or like way beyond what you think your capacity is to do. So those are a couple of the things that I wrote down. And the thing that she also trains you to do is to break it up into like smaller tasks, which yeah, steps, yeah baby of course, steps. Baby yeah. steps. But sometimes mm -hmm. when you're looking at a goal or when you're looking at something, the at least way my brain works is that I am automatically seeing all of the different things that have to be done oh. mm -hmm. and then getting a little overwhelmed and being like, yeah, I'll do that tomorrow. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So writing it down and kind of mapping it out over a period of time and approaching it with no judgment has been helpful to be like, it's just this one thing. It's just opening one it step. up. It's mm -hmm. just looking at it. It's just checking mm -hmm. out different platforms. It's just looking at the website today, maybe. Mm -hmm put in any information, not going to sign up, not going to do whatever, like just do the bare minimum of exploration. And then once you get going on that train, you just kind of keep going. So when I reach a place, I'll stop 
and reflect. And usually champagne is involved. It's good. Maybe a bubble bath, you know, I love it. that's good. Some time to just like chill and like really revel in the fact that like this thing happened. I love it. That is really great. I love that. And we'll have to link to that too. I think that's really awesome. And you know, it is one step at a time. It's always one step at a time. And in that one step, you wrote down a couple pie in the sky things and you've already accomplished these pie in the sky things one step at a time website LLC. I had my first painting in a gallery this past year too. That was a thing. Major. That'll never happen. Major. Hello. Hello. Amazing. Oh my gosh. See, this is why I was so excited when you said yes to being on this show, because I think that so many women are going to hear your story and they're going to really resonate with your work experience, your feelings of that overwhelm, but they're going to also really resonate with just that experience of being a mom and finding that place of, you know, how do you actually create space to design your life where your passions are a part of it and look at you now, you know, living your passions and step-by-step you're doing these other little things that you wouldn't have thought you would be doing two years ago, even, you know, it's amazing. I mean, I buy art off of your website. Hello. Mm -hmm. So with that, how can people find you? Well, I do have a website. It's just my name lisamayberry.art. So you can find my art there. I have prints. I have originals. I'm also on Instagram. I'm most active on Instagram. I'm trying to get myself to be more active on TikTok, but whatever. TikTok just like takes so much time. Not the, not the making of the content, like, but to be like aware of what's going on and like in the conversation with TikTok, you just spend a lot of time on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be there. You could be wherever you want to be. P.S. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I am there. I have a website and then I'm, yeah, again, mostly sharing a lot of my process and my progress and what I'm learning on Instagram. And it's just my name at Lisa Mayberry. That's amazing. And if you are wanting to buy local, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, definitely buy from Lisa. Obviously, if you want to support another woman who is finding ways to live her passions, definitely go to her website, buy something from Lisa and reach out to her, see how she's doing with her passions, be inspired by her, empowered by her to take action in your life as well. And with that, we'll say goodbye to everyone. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being here, for sharing your story. I'm so grateful for you. And we'll talk soon, everyone. It was so fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. That does it for this episode of the Life Activated Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Please do subscribe to the show. Let me know that you've done so, send me a message on LinkedIn or Instagram with a screenshot and I will personally reach out to you to thank you. Definitely check out the show notes for additional resources to support you with this season. 